I'm Anna Matronic, and here is the tea. A person living with HIV who is on effective treatment cannot pass it on. The slogan U equals U stands for undetectable equals untransmittable. So you can <clears throat> without fear. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Pause Five podcast. It's the very first episode of season three. How wild is that, Theta? Three's a magic number. <laughs> Hopefully, door times the charm. Everyone, my name is Robbie Lawler. And my name's Veda, and I, I think I woke up drunk today, but I got high immediately, so I'm not quite sure. <laughs> That's what we're doing. We're starting as we mean to go on, everyone. Um, yeah, I just want to take a little moment just to say how wild it has been, because today is the first year anniversary of our very first episode of the Pazify podcast. Yeah, which is crazy to think so much has happened in one year. I'm mm -hmm. pretty proud of us, I have to say. Yeah. It's been a roller coaster. It has been. We've had so many ups, so many ups, and we've met so many amazing people. But there have been some downs too. And I just want to give, give them a chance just to let us know what we've been going through for the last year. So um, how have you been since season two, babe? Well, that's a big question, you know. But, um, but yeah, I've been dealing with grief and depression recently because sadly I lost my sister Tara recently to cancer but I'd like to take this opportunity to dedicate this season to her and to tell you guys something sweet that happened between us um yeah which I think you'll enjoy mm -hmm. you know Robbie and I made a documentary movie with some other wonderful people called how to tell a secret it premiered at the end of February and sadly my sister Tara couldn't come because she wasn't well but a couple of weeks before she passed we got um, a loan of the film on a laptop and we got to watch it and talk about it and she absolutely loved it and she was so proud um, and she asked me to make her a promise and that promise was not to allow the grief to stop me or to derail me from everything that we're doing with, inverted commas, the HIV. <laughs> <laughs> and she said that, that, that the work will go around the world. And that really inspired me. And that is really the theme of this season. So this mm. season is dedicated to you, Tara, Mary, McGratton, McCarthy. Aww. We love you. That's such a beautiful dedication to this whole season. Um, I'm just so sorry for your loss, Veda. We've had Millie, your mom, on the Pause Vibe podcast. We all fell in love with her. I've met your brother on the, the Pause Vibe boating trip. And I know how devastating this was for your family. And I know how much you adored your sister. And you should be so proud. She's seen all the great work you've done. And I do think it's such a lovely thing that we can dedicate this whole season to her and her memories. So, um, yeah, thanks for doing this. And, um, and do you want to tell everyone a little bit about more about this season? Because after season two and during the time of Tara and your conversations with Tara, you said to me, um, I want to bring Pause Vibe Global, international. And uh, I loved it, of course. But you want to kind of bring our listeners and our lovely uh, guests today on that thought process behind it. Sure. And that was uh, really the thought process was that organically, we already had started to talk to and hear from people all around the world. Mm -hmm. um, and people's circumstances and the things, challenges that we're facing them are very different depending on where they are on the planet. And attitudes are very different. And I wanted to focus on that as a way to empower ourselves and other people, to collect stories from all over the world, as well as build more stories here in Dublin and 
create tribe here mm -hmm. and the most exciting part about all of this is we're going to start straight away with a global icon who's going to help us launch our new season and we're going to tell her all about it ladies and gentlemen i'm so so delighted to tell you that sitting in the room with us here in dublin is my sister angina hello hello thank welcome you, angina thank you so much for uh having me a second time around <laughs> today to celebrate your third season yes and i want to say i love you so much i'm sorry about your sister mm -hmm. but this is you doing what she wanted you to do and yeah. i'm happy to be a part of it so mm -hmm. thank you for including me Oh, Angina, we needed you. We oh, really wanted you. Are you kidding me? me <laughs> could they afford me? Not sure. I don't know. I'll <laughs> count my pennies. <laughs> You're like a fairy godmother. Let's call you Glamidia. Glamidia. <laughs> <laughs> no, Angina, seriously, we wanted you on because um, the team of this season of Pause Vibe Season 3 is... Pause World. The movement. The movement. It's inspired by Spice World, the movie, yes. by the Spice Girls, and really by the Girl Power movement. Yes. We are trying to promote pause power mm -hmm. and fight the stigma. Zigga zigga. <laughs> You've really thought about this. Oh, oh, yes. Enjoy it. oh yes. Okay. All you need is positivity. <laughs> I am here for it 100%. Yes. It's lovely. I, like, I love it. And Angina, we really wanted you because you really reclaimed your power when you came out about your status on RuPaul's Drag Race season one. So there's no better person to show pause power than your beautiful self. Well, I'm excited to be here. Thank you. Yes. So our plan really is to connect with people on all of the continents and mm -hmm. um, to keep on trying to connect with performers as well and people who have big social media following as a way of doing more activism and getting the message out there mm -hmm. further and really just paint a picture of what it's like to live with HIV in the world, yeah. around the world. But also I think the world is everybody that's in your world, everything that, that is part of your world that means something to you. On brand, the Disney message. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds like it's going to be an easy conversation yeah. then. <laughs> easy, yes, exactly. And in Spice Girls. Actually, speaking of, who's your favorite Spice Girl? Um, Posh. Mine too. Yeah, she's just so dry and <laughs> unexciting. But just kidding. Uh, no, she's she's great because she's like gives you um, what's that bl blue steel from that movie? Mm -hmm. She has like one face, one expression. <laughs> she but pints. she's like the loveliest, and her fashion obviously these days is just like incredible. I really like her. We've been calling ourselves Paws and Bex. Oh, okay, <laughs> yeah, <we're>. exactly. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. So I guess I'm. One of your children? Yes, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That would make you pause baby spice. Pause baby spice. I love it. That's funny. So what are you, Veda? I'm pause spice, clearly. We're yeah. both pause spice. Yeah. That's the beauty of it. What this. about you? You've got a lot of Jerry Halliwell energy. Yeah. You. You're a bossy <laughs> bottom. Old spice. <laughs> bossy bottom. bottom. Did you say old spice? Yeah. <laughs> uh, John, I really just want to jump into the team of power. And I really want to explore a hard-hitting topic like racism mm -hmm. especially when we um talk about power um because we know and we see time and time again with a lot of drag race girls um who are black brown who aren't uh, originally or um from the us as well that they experience racism and mainly online mm -hmm. too and what we see in the hv positive world is that a lot of racism there too mm -hmm. and actually racism stops many people coming out about their status of fear of not only um, stigma towards HB status, mm -hmm. but the racism on top of that. 
And I want to just hear from you if you've any experience of racism as a drag race girl or as someone living with HIV as a Filipino American. Mm -hmm. um, because as someone who's so powerful in my mind, I'm just I'm just very interested in how you experienced that, how you've overcome it, or what's what's the fight like that for you? Uh, yeah, there's definitely some experiences that I've had throughout the years of my career, especially being HIV positive and that grew up in the Philippines as you know, now living in America. And uh, I think even before I was on the race, I experienced racism in school, especially when I first moved to the United States, knowing that I'm different, that mm -hmm. I'm not the same as like the kids that I went to school with. And I always felt sort of like alone in a sense until I guess I had to like make myself a part of that environment, mm -hmm. if that you know what I mean? It's like kind of like a, what do they say? Sink or swim yeah. kind of thing. And I learned that from a very early age. And obviously, like, I think my upbringing and my, like, where I grew up, HIV is not always often discussed or a lot of people don't know about it. So I think when people hear about my status or see me on the show, especially, like, from my country or, like, my relatives or my friends maybe that didn't know it, I think their fear of not knowing is 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 how they react. Mm -hmm. And I, I won't necessarily say it's racism, but it's definitely a stigma mm -hmm. associated with the virus. And that's why I live my life so free and open because I want them to see beyond the status and just see me as a fabulous drag queen. <laughs> you know what I mean? Now, back to obviously the racism that a lot of African-American mm -hmm. um, contestants endure in the show. I, I, I don't have that same experience, so I can't speak for them. Mm -hmm. But what I can say is that representation on the show is probably the most important. And I love that I do see different cultural backgrounds, different color skin, different you know, accents, different like people, mm -hmm. because then it somehow teaches people to break down those barriers. But then you turn right back around with Drag Race having the message of love and being acceptance. And then the fan base is so toxic and cruel. Yeah. And I don't understand really how somebody can like wish somebody death just because they dislike them from a competition TV series. And so that's why I can't speak for the ones that get mm -hmm. the hate. But I mean, I do sometimes get hate from people and ignorant messages like, oh, I thought Angina was dead from AIDS. Oh my God. Not even knowing the difference between HIV and yeah. AIDS, which I know HIV causes AIDS. Mm -hmm. But I think it's a lot of those conversation and, and, and education that still needs to happen. But, um, but I think the two things that, I do to try and battle those is obviously ignore them and keep myself present and keep myself open so that people can see that I'm just a human being. And second, it's really continuing like the advocacy work that we do. Mm -hmm. So hopefully it changes, but you know, we are three people. There's a whole world of people that are ignorant out there. So if we take this global or I take my message global, I think it could be heard louder mm -hmm. and hopefully then impact change. Pause up your life. Yeah. <laughs> so hopefully, 
you can know. I ask, how do you keep yourself present? Do you meditate or? Um, I'm masturbating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, wrong question. I meditate. No. Sorry, I'm wrong question. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very um, present right now. <laughs> three M's: meditate, medicate, masturbate. Exactly. Yay! <laughs> That's a good day. Um, the way it's 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 kind of different for me. The way that I med uh like meditate, I clean. I love that. Like I get in the zone mm. and I clean and I have to be alone. Obviously, like I do it with my husband's at work, but it keeps me like focused. It keeps me not thinking about anything else, but like the pile of, you know, drag in front of me that I have to put on hangers. But that's the way that I <laughs> meditate, honestly. And I find peace in literally just sitting on my couch, having coffee with complete silence. Mm. Um, and sometimes like my husband will literally come home. I'm sitting on the couch with like a tea or whatever, or like an iced coffee, whatever I'm drinking. And he's like, how long have you been sitting there? I was like, honestly, I don't know. Like I just been like, you know, and sometimes I'm in my thoughts, but I, I usually try and be present with keeping myself busy with also work. Uh -huh. I know it doesn't sound like you're supposed to do that to be present, but like I love work. Yeah, you do. Is you're that voracious. bad? No, no. It's not bad. okay. Because I love work and it keeps me present. It keeps me busy. It keeps me like it keeps my mind going. It keeps me like like inspired and challenges I me. I really did when my sister passed with how much I love work. Yeah, you know because I was at work when she actually passed, oh, and yeah. a week later I was. Back at work, yeah, you know, to the day because uh, that's my second home and that's what I love to do. And staying home, grieving would be so much harder for me. And than I think going to work. I mm -hmm. think that's. I think that that's basically precisely it. Like you have your chosen family that surrounds you with so much love and kindness. So sometimes when you are having mental health issues, mm -hmm. it's best to actually say, you know what. I'm going to go to a drag show and watch my friends and or I'm going to book myself with my friends so I can be surrounded by them. Mm -hmm. So speaking of chosen family, we have another guest. Yes. Yes. And speaking of nightclubs as well, I would love to introduce everyone to our second guest, Mr. John Sizzle. Hello. Hi, everybody. How are you doing? Hi, sweetheart. Welcome aboard. Good uh, to see you here you again. Hello. <laughs> I love your haircut. Thank you. It yeah. goes all down the back of my body. <laughs> my sister had the exact yeah. same haircut when she died. Oh, <laughs> oh Bonding over nothing. John. Yeah. <laughs> like no hair, I mean. John, I love where you are. It makes me want to have a pint right here, right now. Oh, where I love you? it. Will, will the listeners be able to see this? No, but no. we're going to describe it. John is at the Glory, which is like my home away from home when I'm in London. Oh. It's all slash curtains and beer stains and fabulousness. I just love it there and john you're one of the co-owners of the glory right i am yeah with colin rothbart tv producer who did like come dine with me god help wow. us and johnny Wu, leading super cabaret star mm. and miss general misfit from back in the day who's obviously calmed down a lot these days <laughs> i have to come see you i'm in london this week Oh, dude, come yeah. back. There's loads of shows going on all the time. I know. Like, I I have a couple, but I'm going to find my way over there and, and at least have a shot or something. A shot. A right. shot. <laughs> you look at disgust on your face. Just so one. Hard, just, just, just go one. to Soho. I know. <laughs> I'll do a shot. you got to leave that Americanness behind. One girl. shot. <laughs> no, you can't, though. Otherwise, I'm, I'm, I'm on all fours 
ass up on the ground. That's exactly. That's oh, it. That's oh, perfect. That's how you, you can only get in if you're that way. Perfect. <laughs> I won't wear panties. You then. become the glory hole. And you're a wonderful host, John. So I'm just going to say thank you, you know, publicly. You're a wonderful host. You're always so sweet to me and all of us. All of us Irish queens, whenever we visit, you roll out the skanky oh, red blood. Oh, <laughs> Well, I have, I have the same blood, remember? Uh-huh, of course. <laughs> in more ways than one. You're a pos queen yourself, John, right? I am indeed, yeah, positively positive. Yes, I love it. Here, listen, so uh, we always ask our guests to maybe talk around 10 minutes just a little bit about their own HIV story, if you'd like to share with our listeners. Oh, crikey. Um, I am now, I was diagnosed in 2004, so what is that? Is that 16 years? Eight, 18. 18. Eight, fuck, no, is it? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I mean, God, what was that like? That was a shock. I, I wasn't expecting that one. It was one of those events where you sort of, you know, when you go and do some housekeeping with your with your boyfriend, the new boyfriend, you go, oh, let's go to the clinic together and get a clean bill of health, and then we can go wild. <laughs> and we did that, and, um, oh, that was, oh, it was awful. It was just, he was, he was negative and I was positive. And um, that sort of threw that relationship into a, into a bit of a tailspin over a couple of years. So that, that was, it wasn't fun. You know, I wish I could say I had a positive experience when I first realized I was positive, but I didn't, I had a really sort of tricky, I think two years. Mm-hmm. I mean, are, are we going into the dark side of yes, HIV here? We do, we as go much as there. you'd like to go, we do like to give the the lows, but the highs. Also. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, because it's a nice story in the end. But I'll, I, I will tell you, I, I um, I spiraled into depression basically, mm. um, and which I'd never experienced on that degree before, and I felt really out of control, and I was in a really dark place. Um, a lot of people can can understand that, I think, because it's a very familiar process for a lot of people. And um, I got completely lost in it and had to, ended up going to a doctor and asking for help, like um, on, on the request of one of my friends actually, who luckily or unluckily had gone through the same experience the year before. So, you know, my best, without my best mate being by my side, cause if you're listening to this, you remember this story, um, you know, things might be very different now, but I just ended up on a, on a little dose of antidepressants for six months that helped me get through and sort of re-establish my own personal inherent coping mechanisms. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I kind of lost all my strengths, if you know what I mean, for, for a period. You know, just one of those dark times where you couldn't stop crying and everything. You had to sort of like, you knew it was coming. You just scuttle off somewhere, have a cry scuttle back you know what i mean that mm-hmm. weird kind of yep overwhelming systematic um uh, ways of, of of crying but it, it was um oh god it was hideous and, and what I were think- the what were the coping mechanisms that helped you find your way back to yourself uh, yeah i think it was talking constantly to my friend i mean i was literally he phoned me every single day and just having that touch point really helped me feel like I wasn't completely alone with it because yeah. you just feel really alone. It's really bizarre. And I went to a few, I had a bit of counseling obviously, which was awful. How <laughs> so? It's really kind of like, you've got six weeks, you've got an hour yeah. and you've got six weeks to get through this. And, and I think as I was going through that and I realized it was coming to an end, that put me in a panic. Yeah. You know, there was, there was things that weren't happening. And, and I, but I think, 
I think also part of the story was my dad was diagnosed with cancer at roughly about the same time. Um, so my whole family were kind of spinning out, yet I was spinning out privately mm-hmm. in this thing. So, you know, what hap- What you hear a lot of stories about people coming out, uh, people's like positive journey, but sometimes things add to it, yeah. extra things, you know what I mean? You could become unemployed or you, you split up or whatever. But in, in my case, it was my dad was diagnosed with cancer. So I was, we were looking out for him. And I think somewhere along the line, because I couldn't put, lean on anyone else within the family, I, I took it all on myself. So, that, so, you know, some of those coping mechanisms weren't there. But I was, what I needed to do was really carry on doing what I used to love, which was cycling around everywhere and getting some air and just, and performing mm-hmm. yeah. like I was I just started performing at that point as well and and I think just having something to do every single night I was in a show Bucks Fizz I remember <laughs> the show Fizz. it was such a great show <laughs> oh my god I was Jay Aston you know the Eurovision Song Contest winners from 1982 <laughs> something like that anyway I mean a bit of camp on top of all of that mm. darkness do you know yeah. what I mean and and, and being a character and being part of a troop and feeling part of a family and feeling all that warmth. And, and I think eventually what, what the positive thing about it all was with that little touch of antidepressant, I could sort of see the light at the end of the tunnel mm. and I could feel my way moving toward, I wasn't going away from it. I was moving towards it. Wow. So I think, I had this a sense of positivity back again. I'm so happy you said that because there's such a stigma around taking antidepressants. Well, here in Ireland, you know, yeah. people are like, oh, you should be able to do it yourself, go and walk in nature. Do you know what I mean? Which is great. And yeah. there is benefits to that. But also sometimes just people do need that added bit of help. And Yeah, and, and the, do- the doctor re- really readily sort of, I, I didn't go to the doctor for antidepressants. I mm-hmm. went to the doctor because I said I felt really dark and suicidal. Help. Um, and he just he prescribed a little bit of antidepressant. It wasn't that wasn't very easy to take though. Let's not let's not be fooled. You know, just pop that pill yeah. and come off that pill really easily. You can feel that pill in your body. Yeah, I struggled and, with that. I, I got a prescription yeah. for antidepressants after my diagnosis, and I took only a few of them, and I felt like I was on half an E. And yeah, it frightened me. <laughs> I, was, I was. I felt like I was in a bubble. Uh huh. That. I was pushing through. It was really like I was slightly too numbed by the world around me initially. I think that was just because of the uptake of the drug. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then that leveled out and then I couldn't sleep, ironically, because it affected my sleep. And, and it also took away whatever sex drive I had left, which was diminished anyway, because of the depression. So it, it sort of affected my relationship a little bit, but on the whole, it stopped me yeah. freaking out all the time. But also it wasn't, you didn't take it in a vacuum because you had your friend who was calling you every day and you said you went That's back fine. on stage and had your chosen family, just like Anjana Anjana said. You know, he didn't take it in a yeah. vacuum, but he put it on his hole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, mi- I misheard that. Yeah. <laughs> Where did you put it? Tell us now. Pessary, pessary, pessary. I, I just snorted it. Yeah. <laughs> you can shove your antidepressants up your arse. Uh, no wonder you couldn't 
sleep, John. Jesus. <laughs> Liz, I'm just kidding. I think it's great that you're advocating for taking antidepressants. Mm-hmm. I have a couple of friends who started taking them recently, and I really applaud that decision. Mm-hmm. I think that's great. Yeah, yeah. I do speak to people a lot about that. I mean, there is, especially, I, I don't know about queer men generally or, or queers in general, but I, I don't rush to the medicine cabinet to for a cure. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong, there's dr- every drug has its place. Um, but the, uh, but, you know, and also the coming off it was a problem. There was, I was, it was bizarre. I had like mm-hmm. weird sort of synaptic twitches and all of this kind of thing, but it was a positive experience. Mm-hmm. And you are very open about your status now, right, John? I try to be, I think it was because it, it wasn't so much about attention. It was more about, I, I felt so alone with it and I, I refused to be alone with it. I wanted to peep, I wanted, I know you should joke about it a lot as well and it freak people out. I mean, like, <laughs> the, the discourse around HIV now is very different to 2002, 2000, 2004, when I, when I was diagnosed. I, weirdly, it changes every year, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And partly down to, to really like amazing um, shows like this, you know what I mean? Where you're normalizing the conversation. But the, um, I started joking about it and uh, freaking a lot of people out and being really gallows humour about it, as it's my right to be. Uh-huh. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And just giving them language to speak to me about it. And also, because it's the elephant in the room, it, it became yeah. to a certain extent. And, and, and I didn't like that. I didn't like to feel other. You know, as you grow up as a queer kid, you already feel excluded. Mm-hmm didn't want to add another layer of that to my life I was that's that was one of the strengths that I had before you know and I just wanted to to reclaim all of that and also there's a lot of people that don't know what the fuck it is still yeah (laughs) absolutely right yeah I love how drag empowered you and as part of what was your journey and Angina and her drag empowered me shortly after my diagnosis as well drag is magic it really is yeah and we get to speak about this stuff because of drag you know and you get listened to because of it yeah Yeah, i always said that like when you're in face and you have something to say people listen they listen even more like if i went out to the streets right now and rallied they'd be like who the fuck is that little asian but if i was in stilettos they're gonna be like who the fuck is that fierce little Asian?" yeah you know what i mean it's like it's like just the she persona, has something to say. The yeah. persona of it just changes like your voice and it's so much freaking louder. And that's mm. why more so like that's why I use it so much as much as I can, yeah. because it's it truly is. It's like another person, you know, I mean, it's me, but it's sort of like another voice and another person. And they listen. They listen to you when you're in drag. I yeah. love I, I actually really love oh, it's that. A, it's an authority, isn't it? You look authoritative. Yeah. I mean, you go out looking meek and draggy. You know, no one. That's ever my look. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Don't come for Veda like that. It's a, Wednesday, it's a Wednesday night. It's a Wednesday night. Um, actually, let's talk about that uh, in terms of activism and space. So we're using uh, our drag persona as in using our voice um, and using that kind of like uh, oomph that it gives, especially because I always call that, uh, we talked about this last time we heard Angina, about being in drag, um, it's respected within the queer community a lot mm-hmm. and does give you that platform. But you own a space uh an iconic yeah. space, the glory. And as someone who's open to living with HIV, do you have like you equals you on the blind? Do you hand out prep at the door? <laughs> like, is there activism in your space or are you happy to kind of keep your professional life and your private life uh, separate? 
There's, um, well, I think the thing is, as you know as well, the since preps around, it's the the, the narrative around HIV has changed. Yeah. So it's not like before where it felt more, um, what's the word? Dangerous. Okay. Uh, all the language around it was, you've got to save your life. It was, it was all this kind of shit, fucking HIV. Oh my God. Yeah. Whereas now it's more like, it's more naturalized and it's kind of more, I, I mean, I think you probably have to tell people what HIV is, to be honest, because because people talk more about PrEP. Yeah, than mm-hmm. HIV itself. Yeah, you're right. HIV, yeah. the words HIV and the words AIDS have kind of been surpassed by this word PrEP. So there's conversations about PrEP and within that it's HIV as opposed to before the word was AIDS. And then within that was the word HIV. Does that make any sense? I yes, love that insight because one of the things we're trying to do is get a picture of pause around the world. And I feel like in London, when I visit you guys, and I've been going since I was a teenager, it, you're always a bit ahead of the curve yeah. in the clubs right. and in the bars. Yeah. So I would say that's not quite true here yeah. yet. Really? But it's interesting to me that it is, that that's the way it's going. I'd also guys. say um, that's true for other parts of the UK. You know, it does, I say oh, that well, it's probably only particularly speak, true yeah. for London because you go to a certain parts of Northern England, some certain parts of Scotland and Northern yeah. Ireland, certainly. So uh, it's definitely more London. But we always hold London very high uh, esteem in the HIV world because you're always kind of the model to look towards or what we hope we can get towards. Well, I mean, I don't know what that model looks like because... Linda Evangelista. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more of a Naomi, to be honest. But it's, it's I'm a Claudia. <laughs> Clearly, it's, it's, it's sort of it's the thing is is like obviously we are HIV positive people. We use our voices and our drag and our platforms to advocate. But I feel like there still needs to be a larger conversation and education that 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 surrounds HIV and AIDS. I mean, I'll tell you a story. Today, I went to go get a massage and the sheet of paper had asked for like my medical history for some reason. I'm not sure why. And so I checked HIV because I'm okay with my status. I'm undetectable, which means I'm untransmittable. And it's not like I was going to go have sex with this person who's going to give me Give oh, me massage. massage. Oh, but, <laughs> but a really good number because, for Because massage. I had a professional massage, not like you dirty boys. <laughs> Tina but Tantric no, over so, here. <laughs> but no, so he, I laid down and I was getting ready and he took a while to come back. And when he came back, he's like, due to your medical condition, is it all right if I wear gloves? <gasps> oh, no way. That was today in Ireland? That was today, yeah, in Ireland. I'm in Dublin. I'm not going to say uh, the facility, but it made me feel really uncomfortable. And that's course. why I'm happy we're talking about this because like, yes, in major metropolitan cities, maybe the conversation has gotten a little bit better and, you know, the stigma has gotten a little bit better and things are changing for the better for mm-hmm. HIV. I mean, we might see a cure in, in 10 years, sure. Yeah. But then I travel and I come to like Dublin, which I don't think would not have the same conversation. But, you know, this young man was like, I'm going to put gloves on because you have HIV and I'm going to massage you. And I'm just like, oh, fuck off. What? <laughs> so uncomfortable. I'm so sorry. That oh, happened. no. I mean, like, I wanted to say something, but. Did you let, did you do it? I didn't. And I, I think I. And no, did you get the massage? Oh, yes, but I, I was so uncomfortable, I almost With got gloves. up. Yeah, and so I was just, but it's not even the massage itself. It's just like, I wanted to get up and like have a conversation with this man. <laughs> yeah. No, I wanted to just be like, listen, yeah. like, let yeah. me tell you something a little about HIV. But then 
But then I didn't. And well, you I don't have and, to be the advocate all the time. But well. you know, I was just no. trying to get a massage to get the knots out of my shoulder. And then yeah. I, you know what I mean? Stress. So that's why I think bigger conversations need to happen because that's just like one example mm. of ignorance that is so minor, but yet also major for this person to not feel safe to touch me yeah. in a professional setting. And I'm just like... <gasps> We'll touch That's you later, Angelina. But I want uh, I want this place that uh, that I said that, and we could either brick the windows or we could leave a lovely note outside explaining what you would. I mean, he I means, have yelled, He means a steaming so. shite when he says <laughs> a lovely note. <laughs> oh, not even you, because regardless if you're undetectable, you can still touch people. It's yeah. bonkers. And that's why. Yeah, but what, what's, what's, what's the masseuse hot? That's that's what we want to know. Oh, <laughs> yes, he was very handsome. Oh, well, no wonder go. he didn't leave. <laughs> <laughs> no, but well, I, that's just that's ridiculous. But that isn't is like it? Isn't it in 2022? Well, he like, didn't wear yeah. a condom. That well, <laughs> he, he wore yeah. gloves, but he didn't wear a condom. I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in venues like this, there's there's an assumption that people know everything, but they they don't. Yeah. It's it's a new generation, and lucky them to be quite honest. They don't yeah. have to necessarily understand it in the way that we had to um you know from a very medical perspective for them yeah. it's more of a conceptual thing mm. i think and that's luckily down to the use of prep i mean i'm i'm i'd probably be as flip and as like um blissfully unaware uh -huh. okay sure yeah They're luckily to be blissfully unaware of everything that's gone before but whilst at the seal time at the same time protecting themselves yeah mm. Really you know what I mean? It's lovely. It must be a lovely state of ignorance. Yeah. Um, but in a positive way. Do you know what I mean? I'm just like gutted that it wasn't there. It can be a bit of a fall from grace, ago. though, you know, when people are ignorant to these things. And hopefully yeah. prep will be super popular and yeah. they won't need to worry about it. But, you know, because we don't talk about it, the stigma doesn't really change. And then yeah. we're no. still picking up the pieces of people's broken lives. Yeah because of yeah. cinema. Yeah. But it's really yeah. important that we talk about it. And I want to actually, on that note, Angina, mm -hmm. yeah. your RuPaul's Drag Race legacy now has, you know, been, people have followed in your footsteps. People like Trinity yeah. K. Bonet, um, Charity Case, yeah. of course, the East End princess, and um, a Norma Jean in Drag Race Italy, who I'm totally obsessed with now, mm -hmm. also came out about her status in Drag Race. And I'm, the reason I say that, the reason I say it is I know you know that. Mm -hmm. I just want everybody else to notice, yeah. to notice. It makes me so proud, you know. Thank you. I think Drag Race has a huge audience. Mm -hmm. And it is also the young generation all the way to the older generation. And this is like just just these new generation queens putting themselves out there and saying it out loud in front of these millions of viewers is advocacy yeah. in itself. Oh, because usually. like I always say, when you say it, sure, they might focus on it for the first five minutes, but then they look past that because they only see your drag and how fabulous you are. Mm -hmm. And I wish that that actually is what happens all over the world. But it's nice to know that people then see you more than what you had just said about your status being positive, yeah. but really see you as a person, as a queen, as you said, a legendary, iconic, gorgeous <laughs> person. <laughs> Tell me Yay. more about me again. <laughs> we worship the quicksand you walk on. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I have a question for both you on that because um 
from a drag queen perspective and club owner perspective and pos perspective. Because uh, during the AIDS crisis, 80s, 90s, you know, the clubs were really a safe haven um, for the community. It's what we've done to overcome the trauma. We went mm. there. And I know uh, in many people in Ireland, they're like, they went there four or five times a mm. week. Mm -hmm. And it was uh, to, to kind of overcome the trauma. Wimps. Yeah, <laughs> they needed two nights off. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, drag queens were very vocal, and you were some of the biggest activists, also. <laughs> now, in the era of prep and you, but yet still booming HIV figures um, around the world or uh, at unacceptable levels. I know London's doing really well. Uh, what the role of nightclubs now, or the role of drag queens in health promotion or community mobilization, or is there, or are we past that point? I, I think you see more, not necessarily in a space like this, that they're, they're very useful or we're very useful for fundraising and drawing attention to special events you know helping out with companies like the charities like the Terence Higgins Trust or or Positive East and things like that and and still keeping issues relevant and and like in the headlines you know what I mean mm -hmm. You sort of can, you, you just sort of add the glamour to something that's not so glamorous. Well, for for me, you know, a lot of what I do, I work with companies so that I can use my audience, mm -hmm. which I reach, you know, over. And so we live in the world of social media, and yeah. I reach over eight hundred thousand people on all of my shared platforms. Wow. And that not that may not be a lot to some people who follow like a Trixie Mattel or like, you know, an Alyssa Edwards or whatever. But to me, that's a lot. And that's my audience. And so I use my my drag to be able to reach those audiences. And I partner with certain so, like I partner as much as I can with certain companies and certain mm -hmm. organizations so that I could I could do that. And drag also is a place and a time or a show where you can actually get out of whatever you know issues you may be having and just have a good hour hour and a half fun yeah and that's i feel like when i go to clubs as well it's like that's what we provide like you can come in the clubs with drag queens in it forget about your woes maybe for an hour an hour and a half have a good time with us maybe learn a thing or two or maybe you know not and that's I think that goes hand in hand with the bar and the drag queen. And, and I think we use as much as we can and how much we can to be able to, like, do the work. I feel as a pause queen as well that um, that sometimes people talk about drag like it's a mask. And I find like my drag is the opposite of a mask. Mm. When I'm in my drag, I really showing you who I really am. Yeah. And being out about my status, I think really draws people in mm -hmm. as well because they know that I'm giving them the authentic me. Yeah. So to me, it's a privilege to talk about it at my shows. It always goes over. People love to laugh about it. I have mm -hmm. several jokes that I, that I use. Um, but I also feel like they're just more connected to me when I meet them after the show yeah, yeah. because they know because this thing it's, about it's, me. Yeah, when you are that vulnerable to people, especially strangers and people you don't know, like that's why the kind of advocacy I do is being open and, uh, and honest about who I am, much like your drag. It's because it really does make it more personal and it makes it a little bit easier to like, if they had a question, it's easier to ask me instead of somebody maybe they just saw on like a television show or whatever because like I have already spent that hour and a half with them at a drag show talking about it maybe or you know mm -hmm. and so it's easier to be like hey I don't know a lot about HIV but can I ask you this or that and obviously it makes it a little bit more comfortable 
Yes. Yeah. I am going to be a drag queen for the third time in my life. My name is H.I. Vida. And um, <laughs> we've oh, done it a few good. times. Veda has got me up. I'm her drag Are daughter. you doing it tonight at our yeah, show? Yeah, yeah. So for all our listeners, um, Angina is here and going to be performing, doing her own activism for the launch of season three tonight into George, it's going to be. And you missed fun. it. Or maybe you were there. And if you were there, I hope you, you had a fabulous time. Yeah. <laughs> Thank and you. if you didn't, <laughs> blame Vader. Yes, oh, this episode so is going out after the party. So my advice is make sure your shoe fits. There's nothing like a stiletto that fucking slides out of your foot because that's embarrassing. And two, whoever is doing your makeup, let's just hope they're good. If it's beta, <laughs> good the fuck luck. I couldn't do anything to her face. It's pixie, thank I, God. Uh, <laughs> these are, these is, it's like Drag Queen 101. I mean, right? basically, learn the fucking words to the song, thank Inside you. Out. If you know that song, Inside Out, it doesn't matter if your shoe falls off. They will literally be engaged with you. You need to you need to know every breath of that song. Yeah. Should yeah. look at Moni Cart, everything falls off for her and everyone loves her for her, you know? And <laughs> <laughs> um, she's that. real pretty, which definitely is an advantage. She looks like a young Kate O'Mara, you know what I mean? Yeah. Really? Yeah, oh, really pretty. Yeah. Rest in bitch face and dragon. <laughs> Rest in it. peace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> FYI though, difference. can we just talk about pay and drag queens for a minute? Yeah. Sure. When you're starting out, you don't you shouldn't be getting paid you're lucky to be, have a stage mm -hmm. really yeah just make the you, most of like learning that learning that i love space. i love that you say this because there's a lot of new drag that like yeah. comes out out of the woodwork because they want to be on rupaul's drag race right yeah. and that's the first bad thing it's like you shouldn't do drag like to try and get to a tv show you should do drag because you fucking love drag mm. and like you want to yeah. and you want to perform on stage and want to like lip sync a concert like when you say lip sync a song to every breath like I yeah. learned I learned every Ariana Grande's breath in a song and if I don't and if I don't have it I won't perform it until it's perfect. So <laughs> your breath smells exactly like her breath. <laughs> <laughs> it smells a dick. But uh, no. I mean, you know, but basically it's like a lot of a lot of new queens also you know like i think it's like somebody said it in la like pay your dues yeah. pay your dues and yeah, yeah. yeah and i and i think some Absolutely. of these younger queens just are so entitled to that and i'm just mm -hmm. like bitch you do some free work compete some win some and then get bookings because that's how we did it that's how i did free work in la in new york city for so yeah. many different yeah. gigs before I actually got paid $25 to do a show. No. Um, $25? You know I mean? Yeah, back oh. in, I mean, I'm much older than you, Rob. <laughs> I, I did it for tips in San Francisco. And right. then, like, I won a pageant, the alternative Miss Ireland. And, like, I worked so hard to make you that happen. You work hard, and then you get fucking booking fees. I agree. But back in the day when I started dragging, you know, 1742... Like they didn't, they didn't have it. Victorian you know, they drag. didn't have it. I mean, it's just, it's just you work hard, then you you get booked hard, and then you get money. Because then it's a passion project rather than a, just a job. Yeah, and don't do drag because you want to be on Drag Race. Do that drag because you want to be on your local bar stage yeah. and give it to the local people that watches it who loves drag, and then 
try and get on Drag Race. But good fucking luck because you never will. Yeah, I just want to clarify <laughs> that I'm not. <laughs> I love it. I'm so you're not going to get me just on kidding. then, Angela? I'm just kidding. I'm nice. I'm nice. <laughs> I'm waiting for RTE's Drag Race <laughs> to come on. <laughs> no, I, I just want to clarify that I'm actually not doing drag because I actually want to be a drag queen. I am being a drag so I can speak about HIV with Ada when we're doing Pause by Blunt just because the crowd go wild for it and yeah. they listen so that's it's activism for me i won't actually be doing a number because i walk like a trucker in heels and i and i'm lip syncing it's a lot harder than it looks it if is. you actually try it so i'm giving that up i'm just gonna host when we put robbie in drag and and trot out hiv at one of these shows the kids just love it um do you have any favorite stories of hiv activism or talking about your hiv that you can share with us after i announced it on um drag race after winning that episode i i get a lot of emails and i got a lot of like dms from a lot of people that share their stories with me they're maybe coming out or they're living with this you know with hiv their status for uh newly in like newly hiv positive people and i just feel so humbled with that type of messages because i didn't even realize that that would happen. Mm -hmm. But then I also get to help these people. Yeah. And I just, I'm, I just, I just love helping people. Um, so it's, it's, it's kind of an amazing journey for me because not only am I a stranger to them, but they trust me yeah. because they see how I live my life. And I think it makes them easier for them. Yeah. You're thriving. Yeah. You I mean, I'm fucking booked, blessed, hired and tired. Yeah. Bitch. I'm good. <laughs> I love my yes. life. I'm married. I'm happy. You know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm traveling, but at the same time, it's like, sure, I have bad days, but I really, I do love my life. And I, I, I just always hope that people that are newly, newly HIV positive or like people living with it can find the same journey and love their life as much as I do. Cause I really, I really do love my life. Mm -hmm. What about you, John? Like what's, what's your, like, what do you find to be inspiring or somebody that inspires you? There's not really that many people that are properly out. Yeah. Especially yeah. from my generation, because I'm like in my 50s now. I mean, if I if I look back at, I don't even know if they're a positive, like people like Jimmy Somerville, who was a really sort of staunch, politically led pop singer back in the time. I, I don't know if they came out as queer, uh, as um, as positive. But there is there was a story that, that, that or there was a pop, another pop singer that, was interesting to me. It was Sharon Red um, from the 70s and 80s, who, who was the first woman that I ever heard of mm. who, who contracted and died of HIV. Because I never thought about women. Mm -hmm. um, and so th their story was quite interesting to me and very sad, obviously. So um, that was an inspiring story because, you know, obviously there's layers to that. Yeah. That's not the same, and it's not the same story as a, as a, as a white anglo-saxon male you yeah. know what i mean yeah totally um I, so, if you might be interested in another kind of a person a real famous person is gia karanji super one of the first ever supermodels in the 80s who oh yeah and gia. he was a lesbian also as well there's an really? amazing movie called gia and angelina jolie plays oh, her yeah, I remember that movie. it is really trashy isn't in, it so trashy so chaotic drugs, <laughs> sex drug sex and yeah bogs. and she's one of the first like famous women to die of AIDS in the early 80s. So it's definitely worth yeah. watching. And that's who Robbie bases his drag on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I guess it's time for us to wrap this up. So I just want to say while we're on the subject of empowerment and HIV heroes that you guys are my heroes. Mm. John, you're always so open. And in the film, Dressed as a Girl, um, for our listeners at home, Dressed as a Girl, find it, watch it. There's a documentary where, John, you, you just are so open. You're an open book about cruising and about, you know, your own sex life and your own sex habits and your history. And that just blew my mind. You and Scotty, both in that movie, just really helped me to heal Aww. from things that I've oh, done really? and been through. Aww. Yeah, totally. Thank you. That's really sweet to hear. It's, um, I mean, it, it, it's quite a bizarre documentary that was made over a couple of years before everyone had a documentary. So it was kind of a bit revealing. I felt a bit exposed in that, but yeah, loads of people came up to me and started talking to me about it after that, which was Um, quite interesting. I I really want to actually ask a question about cruising because anytime, especially in the literature or art or uh, any kind of scientific research, uh, especially when you talk about HIV with it, it's all about risk, 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 and STIs and HIV. And there's always this association of cruising with um, shame and self-hatred. And it's not like that for everyone. And I just want to know if, if, from your perspective, what is cruising for the community? What, What does it give? To our community from my experience it was pre-social media so the only way to meet people was in these spaces like i, I mean i i found a toilet and just was like needing to go to the toilet and then saw this graffiti and just i felt like alice in wonderland mm-hmm. do you know what i mean i was like drink me, eat me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it, so, so it became a, a place where it was my, my first tentative steps to coming out yeah um, and also sort of exploring my sexuality in a kind of a safe space. Mm-hmm. You know, I wouldn't recommend it as a lifestyle to every single person. You have to have a bit of weather with all about you. But it, it, it's without that, I had no friends, no, no, no gay um, people in my sphere at all or any role models apart from pop stars on telly, mm-hmm. you know, boy George. So yeah, so it's 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 like a training ground to a certain mm. extent. It allowed you for exploration and connection. Okay, everyone, thank you so much to our lovely guests. <laughs> what a fab show, I had so much fun today. I'm still planning to get that one shot at the glory, okay? So yeah. I'll see you, I'll see you soon, John. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll look out for you, baby. Okay. One shot is all it takes. takes. Positivity. <laughs> Positive. <laughs> Okay, listeners, thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Pause Vibe Podcast. We will see you next week. For episode two, goodbye. And remember, stay, stay positive, positive and stay powerful. That's right. Woohoo! If you enjoyed this week's episode, help us spread the word by leaving five stars and a positive review wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow Pause Vibe Podcast on Instagram and Twitter too. Until next week, stay positive and stay powerful. Pause power. Stop the stigma. Zig-a-zig. Ah.